0: It's all impeachment all the time, and the polls are coming fast and furious. But what are they showing? And maybe more important, what is the trend? We're going to discuss that, and then we're going to look back at another impeachment fight, 1974, Richard Nixon. We're going to look back with a journalist who covered it then. Carl Lubstorff sees some strong parallels between then and now, and he's joining us to talk about it. So let's get to it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll.
1: And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll.
2: And I'm Lee Meringoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion.
0: So uh, impeachment, last week we talked about it because we had done the first uh, poll out about uh, impeachment after the the whistleblower and all of this stuff. It it does seem now that it's going to be all impeachment all the time, at least in, in the short term here. And we do want to talk about it again this week because as we talked about last week with that very first poll we had one of the things lee that you said which is so true is okay don't don't invest anything in a single poll you got to watch what happens and you've got to watch try and stick with a couple of polls and see what happens so what's been happening what are the trends what is what have we seen in the week since this really broke out into the open
2: well i think we saw what we thought we were going to get in terms of the proliferation
0: of polls certainly
2: and i think you know I guess the first thing I would observe from this is the division is very much along partisan lines, which I don't think is a great shock. Um, And I think the polls have been showing some inching up uh, of those who are you know, more likely to say, well, you know, I don't think this, you know, I think this inquiry is probably a good idea uh, in one form or another. And I think, you know, our eyes are, of course, on the independents because we expect the Democrats to be in one place and the Republicans to be in another. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe your observations, Barbara, are a little bit more detailed.
1: Well, there were a ton of polls out. We knew we weren't going to be alone. And uh, certainly... The, First uh, but the, not last. The, the field of <laughs> polls that... Uh, the, certainly the field got quite crowded. And there were all kinds of polls. So we have uh, the traditional kind of gold standard telephone polls from uh, CNN, uh, the Quinnipiac poll, uh, which we refer to as the Q poll. Certainly ours was out there and Monmouth was out there. Um, then there was another group of polls, uh, Morning Consult, YouGov, the Hill-Harris poll, which are online polls that are done from, um, from you know self-selected panels that aren't as um, uh, scientifically rigorous in the traditional sense. But what I found interesting was that pretty much all of the polls regardless of the question wording, and Lee, you mentioned that we should be very careful mm-hmm. about looking at the at the question wording, all showed very similar things. So
0: when you talk about question wording, part of this is that impeachment doesn't mean the same thing to many people if they don't really understand impeachment. And so impeachment, there's an investigation, the House then essentially files the charges, if you will, and that's the impeachment. So Bill Clinton was impeached, mm-hmm. but he never left office because you have to be convicted in the Senate to be removed from And then you have to be removed from yeah, office. And Conviction Richard, doesn't mean you actually are removed And Richard
2: Dixon got as far in the process as the House Judiciary Committee, which is
0: where things are right now. Right. And, and then he resigned because of what he faced. So when you talk about question wording, where do we stand in terms of the question of People un- believing that he should be impeached, which means he should be conv- uh, he should be charged by the House, mm-hmm. versus. When the question is asked about impeachment and removal from office, believe
1: it or not, that's kind of a tricky question because <laughs> the but because the surveys actually asked it in different ways. The Q poll asked impeachment, and they came out forty-seven forty-seven uh, for and against, so just split right down the middle. Um, CNN talked about um, impeachment and removal in the question, um, as as did uh, the 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 YouGov question, which also asked about impeachment and removal. And so, um, what CNN found was that they had gone from uh, 47% of people uh, disapproving uh, of impeachment and removal and 36 approving to 45 uh, disapproving of impeachment to 47 approving. But one thing
2: I'm not seeing in all this is a big change in the overall approval rating of the president. In other words, as Interest in the hearings and concern about what he may or may not have done has increased. It hasn't necessarily done much to his base, which seems pretty much intact. Although well, a few polls are showing, uh, you know, some differences in that regard, but for the most part, I think it's fair to conclude that he's still, you know, sort of where he was in, in terms of uh, approval ratings. At this point,
1: And there's a lot under the hood. Um, we see the gender gap, which we have seen um, in the past uh, for President Trump. Uh, women, particularly women who identify themselves as independent voters, those who live in the suburbs. This was the key to uh, his victory in 2016. Uh, we have seen that block of voters uh, move more to the Democratic side, and I think this issue of impeachment has continued to do so. But one other thing that we also are going to be watching uh, this time as we're doing the polling, and that has to do with former Vice President Biden and whether some of this is also going to stick on, on his candidacy uh, for, the, for the nomination.
2: And we right now are bringing in a special guest because I've known Carl Lusdorf, columnist of the Dallas Morning News since, Carl, dare I say, the 1980s, which for some of our audiences is a different lifetime entirely. But Carl's in Washington um, and wrote very recently, I guess this week, an interesting column talking about comparing and contrasting what we're dealing with right now in Washington with uh, Donald Trump and what went on during Watergate. So, Carl, welcome to our podcast. Very happy to have you here. Thanks, Lee. The, um, I should point out that I recall, if I can just by way of personal note, remember going to lunch with you at the National Press Club in 1986, but more significantly, you're the one who said to Barbara and me, you know, You should go up to New Hampshire. You're going to really like that. And as a result, for the last seven or eight quadrennial cycles, we've taken groups of students up to New Hampshire for what is our highlight. So we always are in your debt. The weekend before
1: the primary. The
2: weekend before the primary. So we're always in uh, your debt for for having suggested that, and so many students have as well. But let's talk about Watergate and and, uh, what's going on in Washington. Let's start with similarities. What did you think?
3: Well, I was struck by the fact that there really are some terrific similarities. I was in Washington, I was covering the Senate during the Watergate period, um, and it's remembered quite vividly. At least four things strike me as being approximately somewhat the same. The first is, of course, that we have a secret source. Um, In the Watergate case, it was Deep Throat. Um, The government official who gave uh, Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward a lot of tips that led to some of their stories that helped break the case. In the case of uh, the current affair with President Trump and Ukraine, um, it's the unnamed whistleblower who took the... uh, transcript of the conversation president trump had with the ukrainian president and wrote a lengthy account of government efforts uh, dealing with it and to cover it up and how it was handled so we have deep throat and the whistleblower the second is that at the heart of the thing is a conversation in this case this time it's of course the phone conversation I just mentioned with the Ukrainian president in the case of president nixon and watergate it's what became known as the smoking gun tape that was a tape recording from one of the from the white house internal system that showed that president nixon directing the fbi and the cia to help cover up the presence of his campaign operatives in the watergate break-in When that tape became public as a result of a case that ended up in the Supreme Court, that was the end for President Nixon. Mm -hmm. The Republicans got off the sinking ship and he had to resign. I I might say that I think even before that, it was highly likely he would be not only impeached but convicted, Um, but it was the smoking gun tape that did it. Um, The third thing is that there appears to be a cover-up. That was the problem with—one of the problems with Watergate. Because of the conversation I mentioned and the efforts to pay off the four burglars who had been hired by the committee to re-elect the president to break into Democratic Party headquarters, um, they tried to cover up, and it took a a couple of years before um, everyone got to the bottom of this Um, in the case of uh, President Trump. Um, it's the conversation with the again with the Ukrainian president. Um, if that hadn't become known, I think we might be still in the position we were mm-hmm. you know, a month ago. Sure. a lot of issues to possibly impeach him, but no clear-cut case that as critics think presidential wrongdoing. Ironically, in this case, the White House, released the transcript, or what they say was a summary transcript of the phone conversation because of political pressure, not because of legal pressure.
1: Are there Um, other differences... Uh, Between how the well, I got one more similarity. Oh, sure. One more more similarity
3: similarity. that the heart of this is an effort to do something bad to the opposition party. The Watergate break-in was of the Democratic Party headquarters. This is directed both at former Vice President Biden and his son, and also part of this bizarre effort by the Trump people. To prove that it wasn't the Russians colluding with President Trump that was the problem in 2016, it was the Ukrainians colluding with Hillary Clinton. Mm. So, so, so political motive. So the history, biggest dif- yeah. difference is that how the time factors work, yes. and that has to do something with the you know difference in the media landscape. It took nearly three years. Um, from the time of the original break-in, well, over two years, for the smoking gun tape to come out, there were were three investigations, there were a lot of court cases and stuff. This conversation came out within, you know, a couple of months of when it occurred.
2: You know, Carl, you're saying so many things that I I just want to jump in and, and say, I'm struck by Richard Nixon and what he was saying at the time, I am not a crook and Donald Trump, who's sort of saying, yeah, I did all that. Fake news, so what's the big difference? Are you struck by that in terms of how each of them are handling this?
3: Yeah, but Trump, of course, thinks it's okay. And, you know, there is actually a legal issue here, although, you know, for impeachment is not a legal process, it's a political process. Um, It is against federal law to solicit or receive Information from a foreign person, something of value that might affect a political campaign, and you got to believe that dirt about the opposing candidate is something of value that might affect a, a political campaign. So there is a legal issue here, but Trump thinks it's all okay because everyone does it. That's he was asked about it at an in an interview with George Stephanopoulos in in June. And he said, it's just oppo research. Everyone does that. Well, everyone doesn't do it, and it's not legal when you get involved with foreign governments.
1: Are there other ways that the two White House administrations differ in how they're handling this?
3: I think they are. It's a little early again in this fight. The, the Nixon White House was very organized, um, as President Nixon himself was pretty organized, and um, so they had a whole—they had a legal operation and they had a political operation. There were daily press briefings, so the issue was fought out in, in the White House briefing room. None of that is going on here. There is only one person who is doing all of the above, and that's President Donald Trump. They don't have press briefings anymore. They cut them out because they decided Trump was their best spokesman. And from all accounts, they don't have a war room. They have nothing organized to fight this. They just have Trump and his sidekick and his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani.
0: One of the things that strikes me uh, about this and uh, what I really want to hear from you because you have the experience of being in Washington for so long and seeing this is the dynamics of the same party that, the, that the, the man at the center is in, the Republicans. The reason Richard Nixon resigned instead of risking being impeached was because enough Republicans finally told him, hey, uh, we're not going to support you. That has been the miracle of Trump is that he has had unbelievable, unalloyed uh, support from from the Republicans in the House and in the Senate. Are you seeing any changes in that? Any cracks in that? Do you do you think that there's any chance that that, that will change because of what's happening? I know it's early in the process. We're
3: too soon to know. The biggest difference, just let's back up a minute, is the fact the parties are different. The parties were broad coalitions in the 70s, both parties. So there were moderate and liberal Republicans as well as conservative Republicans. That was before the two parties basically The Democrats became the Liberal Party and the Republicans the Conservative Party. And virtually every Republican House member represents a heavily Republican House district, where it is much more dangerous to face a primary um, than the general election. So we've seen no movement in the House Republican Party at all, not surprisingly. The Senate's a little different. We've had some people who are sort of doubled down on their support of President Trump. Uh, Senator Cornyn from Texas, who is not one of the most rabid Trump people in the Senate, and Texas is not the most rabid Trump state in the country, has been very strong and has put out a lot of tweets defending Trump. I can only attribute it to the fact that he's running for re-election and he is a conservative primary challenger in one of the nation's most conservative parties. What's happening in the Senate, though, is that a lot of people aren't saying very much. Um, You don't see a lot of Republican senators on television. You see Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, who's very supportive of Trump. He, too, has a primary fight this year. But you're not hearing very much from the others, and I think they're holding their fire. First of all, they don't want to get crosswise with the Republican base. And, And secondly... Things may happen between now and when the case gets to the Senate, assuming it gets to the Senate.
0: But even if it gets to the Senate, and say even if Republicans went to this, to this president and said, you know what, you're going to lose, you're going to be convicted, it strikes me that Donald Trump does not seem very similar to Richard Nixon in that regard, and that he would, he would basically resign for the sake of the party. Yeah. Donald well, Trump seems to be more... In, interested in himself and his party, right. that doesn't yeah. Really Donald
3: accept. Trump doesn't care about the party, and I don't think anyone thinks that. Ryan Richard Nixon, at, uh, deep down, was an institutionalist, and when the institutions of government lined up against him, he accepted their verdict. Um, the what was in and tell you an interesting story. When I was covering the Senate in 1974, about a week before the smoking gun tape came out. I had an off-the-record conversation with a very prominent Southern Democrat, and at that point he told me that it was still widely believed that Nixon had enough Southern conservative Democrats and Republicans to possibly beat the rap in the Senate. And he said it was already gone. He went through the list of the members down a, a voting chart, and he did not get to 30 among those who were even considering staying with Nixon, and that was before the smoking gun tape. It was not only Republicans, it was conservative Southern Democrats who had supported Nixon ideologically. And Barry Goldwater, who was a prominent Republican senator, of course, in those days, is reported to have told Nixon when he and the two Republican leaders of the House and Senate went down to give him the bad news, that there were fewer than 10 Republicans in the Senate who would who would vote for him, and he said, and they don't include me.
2: <laughs> That's a great line. Uh, Carl, you're one of the original boys on the bus, um, which has become sort of the legend of what reporting was, and you've lived your whole professional life during that period. Now we're in a time of fake news and enemy of the people and all that how's that playing in terms of the trust the media has or doesn't have and in terms of uh, how the media can sort of be trusted or communicate or not with the public in this
3: regard one of the discouraging aspects of the Trump presidency, to many of us who have been in the media for our professional lives and believe it performs a very important service to the country, is to see the number of people who have bought President Trump's line that it's all fake news. Um, It's interesting. You mentioned the polls on impeachment. If you looked at the polls on impeachment and Depending how they word it, of course. And if you looked at the matchups between Trump and Democrats, and if you looked at Trump's approval rating and his disapproval rating, and if you looked at what the public thinks of the press, you'd find they all line up almost exactly the same. So that if you're a Trump person, you think it's fake news. And uh, if you're a Trump person, you're against the impeachment process. And the numbers aren't quite there yet, but it, it, they're moving in that direction. Um, it, it's a big problem because this, the mainstream press is, is actually pretty scrupulous in how it deals with complicated issues, how it deals with mistakes. We all make mistakes. We've all made mistakes. But, you know, it's not like it's a plot. I, I remember on the first day of the administration, the pool reporter who was at the White House, who was, went into the Oval Office when President Trump went in the first time, reported in his pool report that President Trump had moved a statue of Martin Luther King that turned out to be erroneous. He it had apparently been moved to the other side of the room, and then the rush he missed—that was there. It was, a, you know, the kind of mistake any reporter could make when doing something in a rush, and it became, you know, this cause celeb. That this shows the press—they're out to screw him. They're all against him. Blah blah blah. And it's been like that ever since then.
1: Can this ultimately benefit? The Trump campaign, in the sense that we now do have, or at least the public opinion polls are showing that many people do have questions about Biden's, you know, ethics with regard to this situation. Well, it
3: it, it it does in a certain way. I mean, Trump's num what's striking, and I'm sure you've all discussed this in the past, is what's striking is how when you match Trump up with other candidates, um, and it doesn't matter whose poll it is the variance is in the democratic candidates the trump votes almost exactly the same
1: right yeah no
3: matter who and, and that's presumably not going to change however if former vice president biden is the strongest democrat and i'm not sure that's true um, he is going to be one of the, he is likely to be one of the victims of this and trump may think it's great if he can you know help weaken biden um, my personal view is that the country was unlikely to elect a 76-year-old president like Biden or a 78-year-old one uh, like Senator Bernie Sanders. Um, but oh, come on. Biden They're has just held kids, up reasonably yeah, right? well in the polls. All right, last, most important question: Yankees, Washington Nationals, where are your loyalties? They're divided, I think. Y- you know, my head is going to be with the Yankees, but my heart, I think, is going to be with the Nationals. They've never won, and the Yankees have won an awful lot. I I
2: think Washington has soured you over the decades, if that's what you're willing to jump ship.
3: I was there the other night uh, when Washington (laughs) defeated Milwaukee, um, and it was one of the great nights. I've been in a ballpark, Not quite, but equal to a Derek Jeter's 10th inning home run against Arizona in the 2001 (laughs) World Series.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm, as you know, all Yankees,
0: but I'll be thinking about you down the line. Carl, uh, thanks for joining us. Carl Lubsdorf, uh Washington corus- a columnist, excuse me, for the Dallas Morning News. You were the correspondent there for a long time. I, well. yeah, 20- yeah, for- I was the
3: bureau chief for 28 years, but I'm a columnist. Exactly.
0: Now. So, uh, yeah, you've, you've, got both, you've worn both of those hats. Anyway, thanks for sharing your insights and the historical perspective on, on the second to last time. That we faced impeachment, we had that one in between as well, the Clinton years. But uh, we really appreciate it. Well, in and fact, really and that's
3: I mentioned that briefly. It's really very different. Yeah. Different,
0: but it's another one in the in the history book. So we'll see where it was this a personal. That
3: was personal. The other, these are political. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, we will see where this one goes, and uh, we would love to talk to you again as we get further down the the road in this. So thanks happy, again for joining us. Happy to
3: do it.
1: That will do it for this edition of Poll Hub. But before we let you go, our Marist Poll Academy has launched. Uh, learn all about polls at academy.maristpoll.marist.edu. And of course, as you know, Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Thank you very much, Mary Griffith, our executive producer who puts this all together, and Casey Schaff, our editor.
2: And we also like to thank, as we do each week, the roper center archives at cornell university they'll be having up their big dinner in november we'll be talking about that as we get a little bit closer but they provide us with the ability of trend lines you want to know about what richard nixon was doing at this point in the process bill clinton was doing at this point in the process That's or donald go. trump go check out the archives at cornell roper center
0: uh, if you want to reach us, reach us on social media. We're at Maris Paul on Twitter, Maris Paul on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you'd like to, leave a review for us. If you like what you hear and you'd like other people to understand why this is a pretty good, pretty cool podcast, pretty good podcast, whatever, you know what I mean, uh, leave a review. Reviews are helpful to other podcast listeners, and it'll probably help them find us. Thanks. We'll see you next time.